Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of BAMS Radio. And, of course, we're going to talk some Alabama Crimson Tide football tonight. We're going to be previewing Alabama's season opener this coming Saturday. It is officially game week, and they will be taking on the Miami Hurricanes for the first time in 27 years. Now, of course, I don't want to make my compatriot feel old, but he was uh, a guy that played in that game. He was someone who was a part of the Crimson Tide uh, from uh, 89 to 93 and was a part of that national championship team in 1992 that basically the Miami Hurricanes resurfaced for a very short period of time you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s but have slipped into mediocrity. Manny Diaz trying to take them back uh, to, to prominence in college football but they were really never the same after that beat down from Alabama in 1993 uh, and uh, on January the 1st. And, of course, I'm talking about William Redfish Barger. He's going to be with us tonight with his thoughts. Also, Thomas the Wizard Watts uh, from the port city of Mobile. And, of course, we're watching the weather very closely, but we're very encouraged from the standpoint of praying for the folks in Louisiana, no doubt about it. But Thomas and folks in, in uh, South Alabama seem to be just getting rain right now. So hopefully that continues. But we're going to talk some Alabama-Miami tonight on BAMS Radio. And I'm going to welcome William Barger back into the conversation. William? We were thinking about this the other day. It's hard to believe it's already been 27 years since that game was played. Uh, but this will be the first time these two hook up since that uh, epic performance by your guys. Yeah, I mean, it is. But, you know, at the same time, Drew, I'm going to take a little bit of an exception. Um, because I, th I think this guy um, is, is – is, Probably what Alabama fans were hoping that Mike Dubose was going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the best defensive line coaches in college football, a pretty good defensive coordinator. And then, you know, he got elevated as the head coach in 97 yeah. um, for the Alabama football program. But I, in, in my personal opinion, I think the, the disaster that Butch Davis inherited um, when he took the Miami head coaching job, I think in 1995. Yeah. I, I, I'll go to my grave because we're not going to have to worry about anything like this from the NCAA for the rest of our lifespans. And by the way, I'm not old. I'm just, I'm middle-aged, brother. Yeah, you are. Um, That's right. We, so, as am I. <laughs> um, we were both uh, and, and sadly, younger days. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and sadly, my mind still feels like I'm 18. But Right. Um, I, I think Butch Jones, you know, kind of in the modern era, did the best job of Butch inheriting Davis, I'm a. Sorry. Just wanted to make the correct, make that correction. Butch Davis, right? I'm sorry. Did I say Butch Jones? Yeah, yeah. You, the former Alabama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Butch Davis. But, yeah. Butch Davis. Butch Davis did the best job, you know, taking on an NCAA sanctioned situation. You know, they lost thirty yeah. plus scholarships. Um, right. You know, got decimated. And, you know, he, he recruited his way out of that situation, which, you know, the Miami program is kind of in an advantageous situation where they are with all that talent in South Florida where they can do that. Um, and, you know, I thought he did a damn good job. I mean, you know, they, they still have, you know, NFL draft records and, and the number of first-round draft picks they put out. Now, some of those guys – you know, kind of like a Kellen Winslow Jr. flamed out pretty quick in the NFL. But um, from, from the collegiate standpoint, I, I think Butch Davis did, you know, a tremendous job in, in, under bad circumstances 
um, with what he inherited and what he was able to produce. And then, you know, he, um, you know, left and I think went to, what was it, the Cleveland Browns? That's right. That's right. I was going to say, I think Butch Davis really, it's all about timing and circumstances, William, but he should have stayed in the college game. He might have become a Hall of Fame level coach if, if he had stayed in Miami and kept them where they were. Or even remember, he was heavily in the mix for the Alabama job. Uh, many people thought. Well, uh, maybe if he hadn't have listened to Jimmy Sexton and Phil right. Fulmer and Tommy Tuberville, um, yeah. he probably could have done some good things in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He would. He might have been hired instead of Dennis Franchoni. So, but, you know, Butch decided to go to the NFL. He took a bad job at the time, which was Cleveland, uh, and he couldn't turn. I, did, I do think he actually did reach the playoffs once uh, with the Browns, but it was still a bad job, and he never really recovered from it after he got fired. Uh, and so, and, and now, after he had the disaster with North Carolina, uh, he's at Florida International. So, kind of uh, off the, the national radar. But even though he has beaten his former uh, employer, Miami, during his time there, but uh, Manny Diaz looks like he's at least showing some promise uh, leading the Canes. They're ranked 14th in the country. To start the year, they've got De'Aaron King. They finally found a quarterback. Uh, he's the transfer from Houston. He's going to be a super senior and be back. He, of course, is recovering from an ACL. We've, we, you know, there was some thought that he might not play in the game, William. But from what I'm hearing in their last scrimmage, he put up some, uh, you know, astronomical numbers. Now you can uh, take that maybe as a bad sign about Miami's defense. I don't know, but he's certainly talented and. Had 23 touchdowns and five interceptions a year ago. He's a he's a dual threat quarterback. If you and and if you want to compare him to somebody that Alabama faced in the past and still defended well, I know you probably remember you know back uh, several years ago when Alabama opened with Virginia Tech in Atlanta and they faced Tyrod Taylor, who is still in the NFL today. But I think that's kind of who De'Aaron King reminds me of a little bit. Now is, is is you know I mean I've seen him play and I'm the reason I'm asking this is I don't have his you know measurables in front of me but isn't isn't uh, King a lot smaller of a human being than Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, I would say Tyrod was a, a little over six feet tall and and, and De'Aaron King is more along the five nine range and I think this is okay. I I, I thought I thought Tyrod was. Six three six four. I didn't know that. No, I don't think he's six three six four. Yeah, he's six, but he, I got it. Hashtag producer coming in strong. Yeah, uh, Derek King's listed at five eight, which probably means oh. he's about five nine in cleats. Yeah, and uh, Tyrod Taylor's listed at six one. Yeah, I would say he's around okay. just a little over six feet tall. So he's definitely taller than Derek, uh, but their skill sets are similar. Now, uh, Alabama. This is going to put a premium I think on getting to some deflected passes getting your hands up and maybe making it difficult for him to find you know the throwing lanes but the same deal I mean Bryce Young is not six feet either he's going to be under six feet but both of these Drew I was just fixing to say after y'all corrected me on the measurables I was gonna say so Bryce Young's in between the two yeah there you go so both of these guys but but De'Aaron King is going to be the one that Alabama has to contain, William. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He made a huge impact with the Canes last year uh, and for them to have a good season and for, of course, everyone counting on him being back. But the key is going to be for this Alabama defense uh, 
to uh, to stop De'Aaron King. I'm not as concerned about it because, I mean, these dual-threat QBs, this has kind of been there, done that for the last several seasons for Alabama. I know they've given the Tide some problems in the past, but I think with especially with the whole offseason to prepare, and if this secondary gets healthy, I mean, they are the one area I think is a little banged up as training camp winds down. But uh, this, I still think this is a pretty good matchup for Alabama. No, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I think this game is going to come down to, um, you know, the same thing that we have seen the Alabama openers, you know, going maybe all the way back to, what was that, 2012 when, when Alabama, um, you know, dispatched Michigan. Yeah, um, that's a good point, and, yeah. But what was that, what was that shoelace? shoelace? Uh, yeah, you, you know, Denard um, Robinson. yes, Denard Robinson. I mean, I, I just think that Alabama is too talented and too deep on both sides of the line of scrimmage when you look at this deal on paper. Um, you know, Miami and, and, you know, Manny Diaz, I mean, I know he's the head coach, but that's no different than saying that Kirby Smart's not the defensive uh, coordinator at Georgia or, or Nick Saban's not really the, the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Um, you know, they're, they're an attacking, you know, get up the field, aggressive defense. Um, but you know, that they do it with a lot of undersized people and, um, you know, I'll be interested. I'm really looking forward to this game to see how Bill O'Brien, you know, chooses to attack, um, you know, this, this Miami defense, because I mean, I think they've got some good talent. Um, on the back end of their defense, but I think it's a physical mismatch, um, whether it's Pete Golding going up against the Miami offense with their front seven uh, on defense, talking about Alabama, or how Bill O'Brien chooses to, you know, pick his poison um, to attack the Miami front seven. Um, You know, we can get into our predictions at the end of the deal, but um, I I just think Alabama is going to outclass Miami um, with their, you know, big on bigs. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I just, I think the if you still have to win the game up front. And the one thing I will give Miami is uh, they, two years ago when Manny took this job, they had an extremely inexperienced offensive line. They got exposed in a lot of games. Uh, but now it's the most experienced O-line in the country. Uh, you know, they, and they're, they're a little banged up, you know, uh, slightly. Uh, but I think they're still going to be, uh, you know, a, a challenge for this Alabama defensive line. I think they understand that Zion Nelson is their uh, is their left tackle, and he's been a little nicked, you know, and not from what I understand, their last scrimmage, I think he was only with the twos. But I would, I'm still going to be shocked if he's not ready to go. I mean, they've kind of they've upgraded their size and skill at guard with Jalen Rivers and. Navon Donaldson, they were a little bit more undersized there last year. Uh, they, matter of fact, their measurables are right up there with Alabama's, but I still think Alabama's got the more talented O-line, uh, no doubt about it. And I think uh, Alabama's probably uh, got the more talented D-line, though I, I with Greg Rousseau opting out last year and then becoming a first-round pick, and then Jalen Phillips, the transfer from uh, UCLA, uh, having a really good year on the edge, and then coming, and then you know, deciding to declare for the draft. But they did get uh, DeAndre Johnson from the uh, transfer portal from uh, Tennessee. But Alabama's seen him, so this is not going to be 
uh, you know, reinventing the wheel or anything. I just think overall Alabama's still going to be more talented up front. My only slight question with Alabama, William, is uh, what we were hearing, what I heard yesterday was the Alabama O-line. They still haven't settled on lineup. Kendall Randolph still may be limited. And with J.C. Latham being a true freshman, the one thing I heard coming out of this past week is the first unit was interesting. Uh, It was still, of course, Evan Neal and and J.B. and Cohen. That seems to be done. But the other three positions uh, were a little bit in flux because Emil Echior was still a little bit under the weather. I still think he will be in the lineup at right guard. But what we saw from the – from uh, the center and then the right guard and the right tackle spot was uh, a Darian Dalcord, who is someone I know you like a lot. He was getting a lot of reps at center after coming back from missing the second scrimmage. And then Tommy Brown was at right guard in place of Ekior. And then the right tackle was Chris Owens, who had swung out from center. And they may be wanting to have an experienced guy out there to face this uh, Miami front seven. So, uh, we could, the, the offensive line situation for Alabama is going to be something to watch this week. No, I agree. And I mean, I think the, you know, starting tomorrow in practice, they're going to have to get some type of, you know, closure, um, you know, with the five best guys that they're going to put out there. And I, I don't mean that in the context that I'm worried about Alabama losing this game. You know, I think the schedule, you know, sets up pretty well to have some, you know, experimentation on the offensive line. I mean, you can, you know, plug and play versus Miami and, and you know, obviously the, the second game. But, you know, you've got to have that unit in place, um, you know, before you make the trip to Florida. And, uh, you know, I, I personally feel like, uh, you know, you know, Dalcourt's – the only reason why Dalcourt hasn't played any more than he has up to this point is he's a little bit undersized. You know, he, he needed to get a little bit bigger and stronger. But, you know, he, he's got great leverage. Um, you know, he understands angles. And, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way about J.C. Latham. Um, you know, he, he still might be more of a, you know, body type that's more conducive to being a left tackle versus a right tackle. I mean, he's not the, you know, the massive road grader. Um, you know, that Evan Neal was last year, but, you know, Evan Neal's going to be the left tackle. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that and we'll find out, you know, an hour after 2.30, you know, uh, Saturday, you know, how this is all going to play out. But, you know, I just think that Alabama just has too much juice for Miami to keep it close. And, uh you know, if they do, then yeah, I'll sound the alarm button like a lot of other Alabama fans are doing on on the internet right now. But um, you know, when, when you look at what Alabama has put into the NFL draft the last two years, um, you know, with that wide receiver room, and I didn't even realize this until probably Wednesday of last week. I had no idea. Um, I mean, I knew they were good, but I had no idea that Alabama signed four of the top ten wide receivers, um, you know, in the country last year. So, yeah, they're inexperienced, they're unproven, but you can't argue the talent level there. Um, So, you know, I I think that's something to watch. And, you know, I I think a lot of people in the college football world are – 
maybe discounting a little bit about just how talented of a guy Bryce Young is at quarterback. Um, you know, if you put it into context as, as to what you saw, you know, last year when Bryce came into games, you know, it was you're going out there to burn the clock out and, you know, you're not given the full playbook to run. You know, your responsibility was to burn the clock and get out of there with a win. And, and most of the games that, you know, Bryce got inserted in, um, you know, it didn't matter if Bear Bryant showed up on the sideline with Joe Willie Namath and, um, you know, the best wide receivers and offensive line that Alabama had out there, you know, he, he wasn't going to lose the game. So I, I guess I just – maybe I'm overconfident, Drew. I don't know. Um, but but I, I've seen enough out of Bryce Young and his limited, uh, you know, game reps and, and, you know, scrimmage reps versus probably the best defense in 2021 that he's going to see. I'm just not worried about it. Not, well, not at least versus Miami and Mercer. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm going to bring Thomas in. Thomas, uh, I know you were just telling us before we started our recording that the numbers just don't add up for Miami. And I wanted you to kind of, for the listeners, kind of uh, expand on what you meant by that comment. So I, I, I say this every year. Yeah. And I'm going to repeat it. What does it take to beat a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. It takes an excellent quarterback and it takes a fairly prodigious amount of general talent on the field. Now, let's just assume I'm right. Just just take it on face value. Now let's start looking at Derek King. Derek King has a career roughly 64 62, 63% passer. Okay, well, that that's pretty good for a quarterback, particularly a dual threat, because you know he'll be able to escape contain a couple of times and get some tough yards for the Miami Hurricanes. But let's go to the talent question. Particularly when you analyze Derek King, what's happened when he's played a team in the, sta- in the same stratosphere as the Alabama Crimson Tide is talent-wise? And I really don't care about 2019. I think that I don't think that's a good statistical sample. But there is one game where we saw De'Aaron King play against a team in the same of the same caliber, and it was against the Clemson Tigers in 2020. And his statistics: 12 of 28 for 121 yards and two picks. He had a long of 42 yards, which means 11 of his completions were totaling about 80 yards. You know, just let me let me do some back of the napkin math. That's not a winning formula. And I before I say anything else about that, I'm really a believer. I was a believer in Clemson's front as untested last year. I'm absolutely a believer in them this year. They are in the Alabama stratosphere in terms of overall raw talent. I think they're that good. So it's hard to buy into Derek King having a, you know, 29 of 40 for 267 and two touchdowns kind of performance with a handful of rushes on top of it performance from King. Now, you look at just the overall talent, and Miami has a sprinkling of guys. They do. They have a sprinkling of guys that will be drafted 
whenever it's time for them to be drafted. Uh, the super seniors thing is going to be a new wrinkle, so we don't really know what's up there. But one of the things, whenever I look at a program, whenever I look at a team, I look at how many years they've been in the Miami program. In this case, the Miami program, but overall. I'm, a, I'm just one of those people, I don't put as much value in transfers. I, I feel like, oh, we're going to lean on XYZ transfer. Well, if you're going to lean on XYZ transfer, you have tape from a different team in a different scheme with different players around him. And I'll use Tyreek Stevenson as an example. Tyreek yeah. Stevenson transferred to the Miami Hurricanes from Georgia. Now, smart Alabama fans will remember one Tyreek Stevenson being served his um, certain bodily organs by one Devontae Smith last year. Now, I understand it's Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith did that to almost everybody. But, and we don't, and Alabama doesn't have Devontae Smith, excuse me. But how can you look at the talent matchup and feel like, oh my gosh, he's just going to fold in seamlessly and all that? So when I look at this team, I see a team that if Alabama was playing in, like if they remember the SEC and Alabama saw them in the SEC championship, I think they'd be a lot better as the various pieces and parts that are transferring in really, you know, wrap, get, get their arms around what they want to do in Miami. But I look at a team with a lot of questions and a quarterback that they're going to lean on that when a similar, when he saw a similar talented team, and again, Alabama's defense this year is as good or better than Clemson's last year the Ohio State debacle notwithstanding. We can talk, we can spend all show on that. Let's just put that in a box, put it to the side. So I feel like with all these questions and one of the things that Miami fans are expecting to be all world, I feel like this is a bad matchup from a new from just a pure number standpoint. There are too many questions here, Drew, is how I'd put it. Yeah, I you know, too many questions for Miami. I think that's exactly right. I think the closest they can come to looking at Alabama in the eye is along the lines of scrimmage, which gives them a chance in the game. But I still like Alabama skill guys. Even with Derek King and his college experience, I like Bryce better as a quarterback. I know that's saying a lot that Bryce hasn't started a game, but I still like his talent better than Derek King's. And let's understand something. Derek came out of Houston, and, and, uh, and Thomas, he had a pretty good backup quarterback in high school. You know, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who had some success against Alabama uh, and now is, is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so, uh, you know, they, it's it's just one of those things. And, uh, and Kyle Trask, who had a, a very nice career. But Derek's a good player. Uh, but I think Alabama's had all offseason to, 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 uh, to prepare for him. And go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, I, I just want to push back slightly on the Kyle Trask narrative. And it's going to sound like I'm kicking dirt on – the quarterback that had the best game against Alabama last year. Maybe Matt Coral is in the same orbit, but whatever. Kyle Trask is a good quarterback. He deserved to be drafted. He will probably see some time on an NFL field, so he's at least that good. But Trask was really, really helped by his pass catchers. And, you know, we end up saying, and then the question becomes, well, what about, uh, what about the pass catchers for – Derek King, Charleston Rambo, he's a transfer. Mike Harley, he's a senior, so that's pretty cool. But 
I don't feel like outside of those two, you're going to get, you know, real solid, you know, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony type performances. And let's be real here. Without Kyle Pitts, Alabama wins that SEC championship by a ton because there were several plays that if you're not Kyle Pitts, they don't get made. So I'm just, again, I understand the success thing, and he absolutely did, but the context is, is, is important in that case, Drew. Good stuff there. I mean, I do think that when I look at Miami's defensive line, uh, and I remember when this guy was recruited, Nesta Jade Silvera, He's become a disruptive D tackle. Uh, they've and they've got Jared Harrison Hunt behind him, and then Leonard Taylor, who's a five star. But I don't know how much he'll be involved in this game. Uh, we'll see. And then J- Jafari Harvey and Chance Williams are a couple of defensive ends to watch. Uh, and and that that's where my main concern is matching up with this Alabama O line, which may not be whole either. I mean, William, to go back to what we talked about earlier, what would be your thought on? Uh, Chris Owens ultimately maybe being out there at right tackle instead of a, a J.C. Latham if they think maybe the freshman's not ready yet. Uh, because we've seen Owens play right tackle. He did it. I thought it did a very good job against Arkansas last year. And he's played some left and right tackle in his career. But if we're, if we're talking the season opener, what are your thoughts about Owens potentially being there? I mean, if you're talking about him playing right tackle versus Miami versus him playing, you know, right tackle versus, you know, let's just say a Florida or a Georgia, um, you know, that's a different context. Um, you know, you know, we talked about this last Sunday. Um, you know, whether it's Chris Owens or whether it's Kendall Randolph, and this is not, uh, you know, me banging on any one of those two guys. The, the ceiling for J.C. Latham is so much higher than both of those guys. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with it because I think somewhere between Monday, tomorrow, and whoever Alabama plays the first Saturday in October, J.C. Latham's going to be your starting full-time right tackle. He's just too talented for that not to happen. Um so, you know, I don't really have a problem with it, you know, whether it's versus, you know, Alabama, Mercer, or Florida. Um, but but I, I do feel like by midseason at some point or tomorrow, he's going to be that guy over there. Um, you know, is, is Darian Dalcourt ready to take that next step and, you know, dispatch Owens at center? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he probably can. Um, I think he's that talented. I mean, if that guy wasn't a high school wrestler, um, I'll be shocked. But he understands angles, and, you know, he knows how to put people on their backs. And uh, I, I love Damian Dalcourt. But, you know, I, you know, at this stage in the game, I mean, I think we're kind of trying to, you know, find excuses why Alabama's not going to boat race Miami by 25 or 24 points. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen Saturday at 2.30. And, you know, as an Alabama fan, I almost feel guilty by association because I'm almost more interested in what's going to happen between Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, that's a, another good point. That's the game of the day, really. A couple of top five teams hooking up in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll be monitoring that very, very closely. And, Darian Dalcourt is someone since he was signed by Mike Loxley that everybody's 
kind of been looking towards the St. Francis Academy. And maybe we haven't taken it seriously enough. I certainly thought that Owens could put it in the rearview mirror, and he still may. I still think there's a very good shot that happens. But, uh, you know, maybe we haven't uh, put enough stock into these uh, snapping issues that seem to be plaguing Owens in fall camp. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's probably the only issue there. I mean, you know, the guy's intelligent. I think he, uh, you know, he understands what he sees in front of him from defensive fronts and, you know, identifying the Mike linebacker. Um, but, you know, I think those snapping woes is, is what's kind of gotten himself into this, this position. Um, but I'm, I'm not worried about really any front seven lineup going into Saturday versus Miami on either side of the ball. Um, I think it's going to be an overwhelming experience for both the Miami offensive line and the Miami defensive line. Yeah, no doubt about it. I do think that Alabama is going to wear them down. And uh, that's what they do to a lot of teams. uh, No question about it. And uh, of course the, the other big question for Alabama Besides, you know, the availability of Jaleel Billingsley, where, where is he going to be on the depth chart tomorrow? It is, of course, going to be the secondary. Uh, we saw, you know, uh, that, uh, that DeMarco Hellams has missed some time. We know that Brian Branch got banged up last week. And I'm anxious to see also, has, you know, Jalen Armour Davis truly won that cornerback's job or is that competition still underway? Because remember, uh, you know, against in the Florida State opener in 2017 in Atlanta, Trayvon Diggs started the game, but he sure as hell didn't finish it. And that was my guy, Levi Wallace, who came on when, when Diggs struggled and Levi got a late interception and really used that uh, as a, a jump start to a great senior year and now is still playing in the NFL, you know, with, a, with the Buffalo Bills and a playoff team. But I'm anxious, William, to see if the secondary – is kind of settled into their lineup uh, against Rambo and those uh, Miami receivers and Pope. I mean, I I think the Miami receivers are pretty good, but I, even with Alabama's inexperience, I'd still have to give the tide the edge there as well. No, I mean, look, I, the I think Alabama's in a, a real envious position here, especially with this matchup versus Miami. Um, they've got a ton of depth in the back end of that defense. There's a lot of guys that can, you know, play multiple positions. Um, so, you know, call me a homer if you want to. I probably am. But, you know, I, I just think that, look, when you've got two guys like Chris Allen and Will Anderson, and, you know, we can spend some time talking later on about, you know, the interior of that Alabama front seven, especially in the rabbit package. But when you've got two guys like Chris Allen and Will Anderson that have to be removed off the field for the offense to execute at a halfway decent level, um, you know, that kind of tells you what you're working with. And I think Alabama's got a ton of young players um, on the back end of that defense that can, you know, fill in and move around and, 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 you know, be placed in, you know, places where they can be successful. You know, the best true freshman defensive back in college football last year was Malachi Moore. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I really don't know what his true position is. I mean, he, he bounces around, 
I think he can probably play all five. Uh, but there's other guys back there with him that can do the same thing. So if there is one position group that Alabama can, you know, walk into this Miami game on Saturday with where they have questions about who they're going to line up out there, that they might not, not be the most experienced guys, but I think they can perform at a high level. Yeah, I agree. I think they can. Uh, I think Alabama's still, you know, even with all the inexperience offensively, they're going to roll guys out there. Uh, you know, even Brian Robinson's experienced at running back, but the other guys are not. But I still think they're supremely talented. You got three guys: uh, Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, and Trey Sanders, who are extremely talented. Going to get their opportunities, uh, no doubt about that. And then the receiver core, Mechie is coming off of an outstanding year, but the other guys, uh, you know, while not as experienced or talented, you know, Slade Bolden, due to the injury to Jalen Waddle, got some experience last year, so he has some. Jamison Williams played a big game for Ohio State, but has never done that for Alabama. And then you got, the, the uh, of course, the JoJo Earls of the world, uh, who I think is the, the, the freshman that's going to play the most prominent role, and then Trayshawn Holden, uh, certainly. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, Javon Baker. Now, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see. We didn't see Ty U. Jones-Bell uh, much in that second scrimmage, and he made a big play in the first one. So it'll be interesting to see if he get any, gets any reps in the game. But I do think Alabama will play at least six receivers. And so, and then the tight ends. I got I, The tight ends are, are I think, going to be a bigger part of this offense. If Jaleel Billingsley has gotten back into the good graces of the staff to get some playing time. He and Cameron Latu, I think, are both going to be factors in this game, especially uh, in the red zone, William. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, I really hope that, that Billingsley is, you know, taking care of his business and, you know, gotten back in the good graces of the coaches. You know, that's up to him. Um, but still, I mean, there's still a lot of good talent there. Um you know, at that tight end position, I, you know, I think that, you know, Drew, to me, I mean, if you want to talk about the tight end position, um, to me, it's not the guys that are going to factor into, you know, being extra wide receivers in a four and a five wide set. It's the guy, do we have that guy on that roster that's going to be the guy that can seal the edge and, you know, knock a five technique defensive end off the line of scrimmage? Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it all plays out. Uh, and, and I do think Alabama still got the advantage of just about every position, you know, on the football field when it comes to matching up with Miami. The best way I've heard it equated, Thomas, is I've heard that I've heard it equated that Alabama has great personnel and Miami has good personnel. Would that be accurate enough? I mean, I know you haven't had a chance to study as much of Miami as you would like, but you still do a great job breaking the numbers down. Is that a good description, though, of the kind of the matchup this is? So that's a question that has multiple answers. Uh, the first answer to that is yes, uh, but it, it kind of comes, comes down to why. Like, why do I say that? The big thing about Miami is they do have a good roster. It, it, you can't ignore the transfers. You shouldn't ignore the transfers. But, but 
the transfers are a wild card. It's kind of just, it's the same way with Alabama and Henry Toa Toa. I think he's going to be great, but that's a new piece. That's a question. But overall, Miami has a good roster. But I remain unconvinced that it's a good enough roster to really challenge Alabama in most cases. Now, you, you to me, you have to ignore the discussion where Alabama's pretty solid advantage. Like, if you ask me, Alabama's consistently had an advantage over their first opponent for a variety of reasons. And if that manifests itself, it's going to be even worse. But I, I just – I think this is not a great matchup for Miami. I do think their defense has a chance to slow Alabama's offense down. But I don't look at this team as a group that's going to hang with Alabama for four quarters, Drew. I just – I don't think they're – I don't think they're going to be able to throw waves and waves of bodies like this Crimson Tide football team will when they take the field in Atlanta on Saturday. And I, I wanted to ask William this. Do you anticipate Bill O'Brien? Uh, you know, I think they're going to allow Bryce Young to perform and have confidence in him. Uh, but I still think there's going to be a lot of balance to this running attack or in, with this Alabama offensive attack, I should say. And then I, I think I, I'm expecting Alabama to, to feature a, a prominent running game with Brian Robinson and, of course, uh, uh, you know, Jace McClellan. But I, 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 I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out. Uh, and Alabama did this last year against Missouri a little bit with a heavy dose of Najee before, uh, you know, Mac Jones really got warmed up uh, in the first half. How do you expect Bill O'Brien to kind of attack Miami? The same way that Steve Sarkeesian attacked Missouri. Um, I think it's going to be a um, – look, I saw one play from all the plays that I saw Bryce Young do in the spring. I saw one play from him where it was a wow deal for me. And, you know, he, he – he, you know, took the snap from the center, uh, rolled out to his right. Um, the, the pocket was caving in. He, he rolled back out to his left. And in the process of doing that, he froze the whole damn front seven in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, do, do I want to see, you know, 2021 Alabama um, where – you know, they're running zone reads with Bryce Young, and it's a focal point of the offense. No, I don't. But I, I don't think you need to shy away from that aspect of Bryce Young's skill point because I think he could be a positive, and I think he can do it week in and week out. Um, that that's, that's the difference to me versus Alabama versus Miami is I just don't think people – realize you know it, it's real easy to sit here and say oh that you know this guy was the you know the number one quarterback and maybe the number one overall player in the 2000 and tut, 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 you know recruiting class but what i saw him do in the spring versus what i think is going to be a top five defense you know, that speaks volumes to me, and I think you're going to see that play out next Saturday at 
Yeah, and uh, I think as the game goes on, uh, if Bryce can get going early, uh, they will put uh, more and more on him. And I think, you know, with his pedigree and what he's been able to do, while I think Alabama's going to have a balanced attack and going to pound on Miami some, they're definitely not going to be afraid to let Bryce Young, you know, be aggressive and throw the football, no doubt about it. Uh, and then when I look at this Alabama defense, I mean, I just think overall that uh, we know how good, uh, you know, that this group has a chance to be. I think they've upgraded some of their personnel from last year at Mike Linebacker for Henry Toa Toa, especially uh, with him in the lineup. I'm excited about that to see him play with Christian Harris. No question about it. And, you know, and I'm also excited uh, to see, you know, this uh, this this secondary with Jalen Armour Davis potentially at corner, how much will Kool-Aid McKinstry or a guy like uh, Marcus Banks or Kyrie Jackson? Because I think Alabama Williams already mentioned it earlier in our show that the depth is better. And I, and I think that's where this, you know, rubber may meet the road. I think Alabama's depth is uh, not maybe being given enough credit uh, defensively, especially even in the back end. But I think that they're very deep. And we all know how deep they are at linebacker. Uh, they've got the best linebackers in the country. And uh, and now I'm anxious to see, you know, how many defensive linemen they rotate in as well and see how much pressure they can get on Derek King because that's going to be the key because Derek King has not played in a, in a real game since his ACL injury. Uh, and so there's a little bit of uncertainty there with him. He's probably going to be uh, – he's not going to be able to probably settle down until he gets hit. So – and we'll see, you know, how much pressure Alabama can put on him. Quite frankly, with what I've seen out of this uh, defense, uh, you know, uh, in the in the A day, and then what we saw and what we've heard, uh, you know, in fall camp, I mean, it, it, the coaches are even admitting, as William said, uh, that you know that they they can't uh, have not been able to block, uh, you know, Will Anderson or Chris Allen very much. So I mean, they 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 freely admitted how disruptive they've been. So. I'm anxious to see. I know that uh, Miami's O-line's experience, but I'm not sure they've seen anything like Alabama. So that's what I, I'm expecting Alabama to have four or five sacks in this game. And the key is going to be forcing turnovers. If they force two or three Miami mistakes, uh, I think there's no question in my mind uh, that, that Alabama uh, can, can win this game and win it comfortably. But that, that's going to be the key, the disruption. And then Bryce Young in his first start protecting the football. I mean, that's the thing, William, I think that Tua and Mack and all those guys did that, you know, they don't – people don't play up enough is that what Alabama's done the last – and Jalen Hurts. I mean, he did it in 2017 before he lost the job to Tua Tungvaloa. Is the Alabama quarterbacks have done a remarkable job of protecting the football. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they've been afforded that luxury by having a great offensive line in front of them, um, no matter who it was, whether it was Tua, Jalen, Mac Jones, whoever. Um, you know, I think that's a, you know, a thing. You know, you know, we're talking about it right now about you know, hey, who's going to be the best five working parts on that offensive line? You know, that goes in there, you know, Saturday at two thirty to do it. But, you know, I, I think they've got them. They've got to get them in the right spots. And, you know, that's up to Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone to make sure that happens between now and then. 
and we'll just have to sit back and wait and watch and see how it sees. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. And I know we're in the in the last few minutes of our show. I'm I'm gonna kind of break down what who I think are gonna be some key guys for Alabama. Uh, no doubt about it. I think that uh I think as far as got players to watch and and guys that I think are gonna play well, certainly I think Bryce Young is on that short list in his first start in Atlanta, but I really think we're going to see some good stuff out of Jace McClellan. Uh, you know, from what we've seen and heard of, out of him, uh, you know, the buzz, I think he's really going to be a big part of this offense this year. Uh, you know, I think Cameron Latu is going to catch, you know, three or four passes, maybe a touchdown in the red zone. He's another kind of X factor for me to watch. And really of the wide receivers, uh, I guess I'm going to go, I, I, there might be a lot of people talking about Mechie, but I'm going to go with Jamison Williams. I think they're going to pay a lot of attention to Mechie. I think they're going to try to double him in some ways, and he'll still catch some passes. But I think Jamison Williams' big play speed uh, is going to be a big part of this. And so, to me, I would I would watch you know Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, Cameron Latu, uh, Jamison. Uh, you know, I would watch those guys. Uh, you know, uh, uh, those three or four to me uh, would be really, you know, uh, somewhat some people to watch. I just think Bryce will play well. I like Cameron Latu. I like Jace McClellan. I like Jamison Williams. So I think those are four offensive guys to watch. And then for me, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I just really think, you know, that uh, as far as the defensive line goes, I think Fedarian Mathis is going to show up and play well. And as he, I think he realizes he's a senior. He's a captain of this group. And then I really think Henry Toa Toa. I'm looking for Toa Toa and, of course, Will Anderson uh, to bring it. And then the secondary, most of the secondary is all from South Florida. So they're all going to want to represent their area. I mean, no doubt about that. Uh, but I, I'm looking uh, for a guy uh, like, a, uh, like a DeMarco Helms to be back in the lineup and play really well. So, those are some of my, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my uh, you know, key guys to watch. I would say defensively, again, for Darian Mathis, Henry Toitoa, Will Anderson, DeMarco Helms is probably the four guys that I'm going to watch the closest on defense uh, as Alabama takes on the Canes. And, 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 I'll, and I'll go ahead and make my prediction here, guys. I know last few minutes of the show here, I'm going to pick Alabama 41 to 13 in this game. I still think they're going to force – three or four Miami turnovers, and it may be close at halftime relatively. You know, William, William made a point early. It could be 24 to nothing, and it might be, but I think it could still be a little bit closer than that at half, maybe something like 24 to seven, but I still think Alabama eases away in this game and gets a chance to play a lot of young guys in the second half and gets it done 41 to 13, but William, I'll throw it up to you and and you can give your kind of prediction. I know you told us a couple of weeks ago you were going to wait until now to make the pick. I think Alabama's going to win 48-13. That's about where we're just about on the very same wavelength. So you like Alabama big in the matchup. You think they got to – because, I mean, I just think Alabama's better offensively, defensively, even though I think Miami is probably good on defense. I think Alabama's great. I think Miami will be okay off – I mean, good offensively. I guess I'll give them good, but I think Alabama still has better talent on that side of the ball. And then in the kicking game, I think, you know, the young punter, James Burnup, could be a big factor early, maybe flipping field position a couple of times. And 
Of course, we know what Will Reichert can do. But, Thomas, uh, I know you break them down and crunch the numbers. Uh, what is your uh, thoughts on the game and maybe a prediction? Sure. So one of the things that drives me nuts about this game is there seems to be this attempt by many fans, media members, and whatnot that because Miami is, air quotes, more talented, the past is not prologue. And that really drives me crazy because everybody was hyping up Michigan before Alabama dismantled them. And I feel like this is a situation where Alabama's going to do what Alabama does. Like, I know that sounds pithy, but what I mean is Bryce Young will have some struggles, but I think he's a good quarterback. I think the Alabama offense will be efficient, if fairly unspectacular. I I think you're going to see Bill O'Brien lean on some of the play-calling proclivities he's shown throughout his tenure as a coach. You know, everyone talked about Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, and that was a wonderful, wonderful offense. You know, Aaron Hernandez's situation, off-field, awful, but on-field was a spectacular performer for those Patriot teams. So O'Brien has the ability to adapt. So I think Alabama is going to be able to do not what they want to, but they're going to be efficient if unspectacular. On defense, this will be a fairly tough test. But I again, I look at where De'Eric King has played against similar talented teams, and I go back to how he performed against Clemson. And he was a net negative for that team. Like You can't complete 40% of your passes and throw two picks and be considered successful. I'm sorry, that's just... That's not how statistics work. So I think Alabama's going to win the game. I think what we've seen where Alabama comes out and is really able to put together an impressive performance is going to happen again. And I think Alabama's going to win 45-17. And just a little bonus pick. I think Georgia's in for a rough day against the Clemson Tigers. So you like Clemson? I don't buy Georgia at all. Mm -hmm. I think Kirby Smart can't develop a cohesive team until he does it, which he has consistently failed to do. And I think the Clemson Tigers are the soft pedal national champion as we stand right now. Their front is going to cause hell on earth for that pro-style Georgia offense. I know Todd Munkins incorporated spread principles, but I might run a faster 40-yard dash than JT Daniels. Well, bonus. I'll go. I'll go back to William too. uh, Before I, 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 before we make one more comment, uh, and I'll let him piggyback off what you just said. William, you're talking about looking forward to Georgia Clemson. Who do you like in that game? Well, I mean, Drew, I was kind of, you know, tortured about it until this past week when I saw where, you know, Aaron Murray went on the radio, talking about former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray went on the radio yeah, and was crying about the number of wide receivers and tight ends that they weren't going to have available for this Clemson game. And it was pretty significant. It was – 
you know, 10 plus. And, um, I, I, you know, I agree with Thomas. I think old Miss, I mean, not old Miss, uh, Clemson has not a front seven, but a, a but a, a D line that can kind of keep That's Georgia fair. in Thank control. You. Thanks, William. I agree completely. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, no. You're right. But, but I, I think if I'm they, wrong, I'll say it. But but I think Clemson has a damn you know D line um, with with a lot of names that as Alabama fans we're all familiar with that you know we may have wanted as commits to Alabama. Um, I, you know, I, I I can't get in the mix of this game without saying that I'm I'm, I'm tortured. I, you know, do I want Clemson to beat you know Georgia? Do I want, do I want Georgia to beat uh, Clemson? But at the end of the day, I think if if things stay the way that they are right now, um. I think I can see a pathway where Clemson's going to beat Georgia. Yeah, I can see. I can see it too. Uh, I, I'm. I, I certainly. Uh, I, I, I. If Clemson's O line can hold up against Georgia's front seven, I definitely think they're going to win because I think Uyungo LA is better than JT Daniels, and I like the Clemson skill people. Uh, you know, uh, better than I do. Uh, Georgia's as well. I think Georgia's, a lot of them are overrated. Um, I think the running backs are good, not great. Same way with the wide receivers, and they don't have the overrated George Pickens either, uh, who is hurt. But before we uh, wrap it up, I did want to get your thoughts, William. Is there Should there be concern from an Alabama perspective about the, uh, the arrest for DUI for Quandarius Robinson? No, I don't think so. I mean, that, that's a young man that made a honest mistake. Um, we've all made it, and and no, I don't. Because he was going to be mainly a special teams guy. I don't see him getting a lot of reps defensively, so uh, certainly probably won't be available for that game. I wouldn't be surprised against uh, uh, Miami, but hopefully we'll be back later in the season. Uh, he. He's a guy that's trying to work his way up the depth chart at that loaded outside edge rush position. Uh, but, uh, again, so that's the predictions right there, everybody. 48-13 from William, 45-17 from Thomas, and 41-13 to from me. So we're all pretty much on the same wavelength with Alabama getting an impressive win over Miami to open the 2021 season, year 15 for Nick Saban. Uh, but we'll be here next Sunday to review that, give us some thoughts. Look ahead to Mercer. We all we all I all understand what kind of game that is, but we'll mostly be talking about what we saw against Miami and potential uh, for more young players to get playing time against Mercer. Uh, but uh, and we'll also be talking about Georgia and Clemson, who made the big statement on the opening weekend and how did the SEC look overall. But we'll be coming to you next week for more Bams Radio for tonight's show. I want to thank William Barger. I want to thank uh, Thomas. Watts uh, for, uh, you know, producing and giving his thoughts. And uh, I'm your host, Rudy Armand. Good night, everybody. And roll tide. Game week is upon us.